Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 73. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Ian. Bum, bum, bum. Here I am. Hello. And as always, Mac slash Sean. Not always. Not always? Not always. Which part? Are you not always Mac slash Sean or not always here? Do I have to choose? No, never mind. Kimberly okay. is also joining us this evening. I am here without theme music, unfortunately. Without? I need to work on that. Yeah, theme music. We should all have our own oh. theme music. Okay, I'm going to use the Green Hornet. All right, we can take that in post. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut that right out of there. How is everybody doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Everybody uh, survived Thanksgiving? Yeah, survived it quite well, in fact. How about you? Oh, I survived it. You know, surviving Thanksgiving is not the problem. It's, it, it you know, I, I just had this huge impulse to run out and shop the next day that I have to suppress. Okay. So how, how badly did you do on the whole, on the whole Black Friday thing? Oh, are you kidding? I didn't leave the house. Uh, I went out for one item and I got that one item, which was, uh, season seven of Supernatural. Ten bucks. Good price. Yeah, that is. Uh, and then I went to Walmart to go shopping for like some, some household stuff. I get to Walmart. There is a huge, there, there's like, like 75 people. Co- Sorry, go ahead. You went to the Colfax one. I did. There's like 75 people out there protesting Walmart in general. Actually, now, I think it was over a hundred is what the news and was saying. What were they protesting okay. for? Well, see, I don't know that. I don't know. They handed me a flyer and said, here, this will help you understand why we're out here. And I looked at the flyer, and I handed it back to the girl, and I said, I'm sorry, this actually doesn't help me at all. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, it's all in Spanish. No, really? That is not a a language that I happen to speak. It was all in in Spanish? Yeah, she was kind of embarrassed. She's like, well, some of them are in English, and some are in Spanish. (laughs) I'm like, this one is definitely in Spanish. You are in America. Speak Spanish. Yes. Wow. So you so you don't so you have no idea why they were in. You don't know either. Um, it was um unionizing. Um, going into the wages and stuff. The fact uh, that Walmart paid substandard wages. The, the argument's been going on for a while, but it's gotten um kind of hostile recently, especially with um the employees being forced to come in on Thanksgiving because now they do the um pre Black Friday stuff where they actually have a whole bunch of deals Thanksgiving Day, and that's one of the main things that got this whole thing started. I honestly, right, they're opening yeah. the stores now like at 9 and 10 o'clock, right? Well, I thought they did anyway. I thought 10 o'clock was kind of their normal time. Well, um, if it's a super center, it's open 24-7. Right. Oh, yeah. But, um, no, they keep my – I haven't dealt with the Black Friday stuff since I worked there, but my understanding is now the, um, the Black Friday stuff is actually out there on the floor already because it's still open um, the whole night. They don't actually – I, I don't even think they close at all now for Thanksgiving. It used to be they closed Thanksgiving and um, Christmas. Now I think they only close Christmas. The whole rest of the year they are open. And I don't I don't think there's any special hours. But so now um, they actually have to have security guards watching over the Black Friday stuff so no one gets into it until the official time. And some of the stuff I've been seeing, I mean, it's getting more and more messed up over to what they're allowed to do and like I said, my understanding is everyone's required to work Thanksgiving no matter what now. And that is a big part of why the, the new, um, um, what Mac saw was going on. It all start, that's the, the fuse that really got it started. 
the, well, and one of the things they seemed to be complaining about was also that they weren't getting enough hours and they weren't getting any benefits because they weren't getting enough hours, yeah. too. So There's a lot of games going on with all that. I think that they could benefit from a union, for sure. Seems yeah. like Their situation seems like it, um, it would definitely work. And they would have a hard time just closing up shop if a union came in. I mean, it would be hard for them to just close down everything. But that probably yeah. would be done state by state, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, that's only how the unions work. Um, well, I mean, okay, so compare that to what, what happened with Hostess. Yeah, well, Hostess was blaming the union, but the fact was the company was being ran into the ground beforehand, doing some really stupid stuff, and I don't blame the unions one bit, because if you look at what happened, the CEOs and all the top executives got these huge, huge raises after the union people already said, yeah, we will take a, a cut. You know, the union people had taken a paid cut, took a benefits cut, because, you know, they wouldn't help the company out. Then the CEO and all the top executives get triple salary, and it's like, yeah, sorry, you want us to negotiate now when you're playing those games? So what's going to happen in their situation? Hostess? Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll, um, the recipes will be bought out by other companies. Twinkies will be back, people. Don't worry about Twinkies being gone. Twinkies cupcakes. <laughs> they will all I've return. Got, I've got six cases on eBay right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just like Mother's Cookies went through this a few years ago. What happened was Mother's Cookies went out of business. Keebler, um, who's actually um, Kellogg's, bought the recipes and the rights to make the cookies. And guess what? It took, uh, they were out of the market for a little while, but not too long. All the mother's cookies are back on the market now, and that's the exact same thing that will happen with um, all the hostess products. Give them, um, it could, there will probably be a gap. Some people may not have Twinkies for a few months, but <gasps> in the end, <laughs> the Twinkies will return. I have no doubt of that. Uh, and, and the chocolate-filled ones too, right? Ah, I don't know. Those were special, you know, ones. Those aren't the regular. So it all depends on how popular those were, I guess. Well, one can hope. It it sounds like they they did the kind of Bain Capital thing to to hostess. You know, this loading up the debt. Yeah, um, that, that, that's exactly like, what. Yeah, you know, if if you look at it, that's exactly what happened. And that's the type of political game. But will somebody buy out that bakery facility and use it, or is it, or is it just going to go away? That I don't know. That depends on the company I, that buys it out, I guess. Because but the, re- the recipes will be there, and that means that some of the people that got lost their jobs are probably going to still be needed. Because hey, we need people that know how to bake the stuff. Right, so, and well, I mean, you, you th- I mean, a lot of people were put out of work all of a sudden. I mean, that was huge. Yeah. And and just right before Christmas, so it was the Christian thing to do. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> yep. All right. I'm sorry, I killed that one. My fault. <laughs> Let's have the announcements. All right, your announcements. Let's see. Uh, we have got coming up on Wednesday, November 28th, I guess the day this comes out, the Denver Atheists are celebrating 10 years as a meetup. Uh, with over 1,100 members, we're having our 10-year anniversary social that night. I'm going to be there for sure, and um, it should be a lot of fun. It's really staggering to me that it's been around for 10 years. On Saturday, December 8th, the Denver Atheists are hosting Counter Apologetics. We did the first meeting a few weeks ago at uh, Pints, and uh, pretty good. Very intellectual, kind of trying to figure out what um, what direction it's going to go in. You know, we're, we're going to be reading a, a thing and kind of discussing how to do Counter Apologetics with it. So that should be good. The following night on December 9th is the Secular Light Celebration with the Humanists of Colorado. And um, 
Let's see. Sunday, December 16th, Atheist for Humanity is going to be doing YouTube night number three. It hasn't been uh, posted yet, but I've been assured that that's going to be the date for it. If you've been to the other ones, you know that's a really good time. On Wednesday, December 19th, the Boulder Atheists are doing How the Christians Stole Christmas as part of their Atheist Classroom um, program. And then we have Saturday, December 22nd, the Freethinkers of Colorado are hosting their Mayan Survivor Party uh, down in Colorado Springs. Which I will be at. I'm going. Is that the next season of Survivor, the Mayan Survivor? The Mayan Survivor. I think they did like Fiji Islands or something. (laughs) Well, the problem with Mind Survivor is that they had to do actual sacrifices. <laughs> you voted off for the next sacrifice. <laughs> That's right. Well, can, I would can watch you imagine? That show. Yeah, Hawaiian Survivor. I watch that one too. <laughs> Throw them in the volcano. <laughs> All right. So last week we we um we took some time to uh, and we gave some some things of what we thought could uh, be these unidentified flying objects. Um, but luckily, uh, Rocky Mountain Paranormal has, uh, um, gone through and, uh, and, and done a much better job than yeah, we ever I'm not could like have. The investigative journalist who was doing the story, they actually investigated what was oh, going no. on. No, like we said last week, they said, Hey, look, we have some, we, we have a news piece and they stuffed it in somewhere. They didn't care whether they could explain it or not. They didn't even try. They just wanted to have a UFO story. Yeah. That's exactly what it felt like. And I don't know how well how well it did for them. I mean, did they get big, you know, I mean, normally these kinds of things will draw people in. This one was so bad, I wonder if it really drew in a crowd the way that they were hoping it would. Yeah. Did they get the the viewer response that they were hoping for? And I saw some comments about it, you know, needless to say, a lot of people claiming, oh, look, yes, it's proof we have UFOs. Ha, how are they going to cover this one up? Right. Well, well, technically it is still a UFO. Right, it is, yeah. But uh, Brian and Baxter go through a long series here of uh, of stuff that could be. And one of the things that they did that is like so cool, that is like pretty damning to the whole idea that it's some big object, is they put a. And this was one of the things on uh, the on Skeptics Guide to the Universe that they had suggested. I don't know if that's why Brian and Baxter did it that, but um, was to put um, you know a a sheet or something between the camera and and so yeah. far away and they caught something there too so it's pretty i mean the, the whatever it is is small and what's interesting is that i was watching a different part of the video not the part that i was supposed to be watching i was watching something else go up and down remember i said there was something going up and down i was yeah. watching the wrong thing in the video it was something same else here. in the video um so i was th- watching the same thing you were brian were you? Yeah. So we didn't, we weren't even watching the, the right thing. Um, and I noticed this as I was reading the stories later. Um, I read a preliminary of Brian's report. Um, and, but this one that you have put up here, Ian, is much more thorough. They, they gone through and they given pictures. And I mean, this is, this is pretty good. Yeah. I think it's fascinating though that everybody here looked at something that Fox News had no interest in whatsoever. And apparently the thing that they were trying to point out was, Less than memorable. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I, I didn't get that. It's like the, the uh, almost unnoticeable little thing in the corner is what we were supposed to be focused on, not the big thing moving around in the middle. Right. They didn't even. It wasn't even centered. The thing that you were supposed to be seeing. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know how much we really want to go into this. It, it, you know, we'll put the link up and people can go and take yeah. a look at um, what. It's Brian just good Baxter to see the follow here. up. You know, we, we reported on it, we talked about yeah. it, and here is the follow up saying, "Look, we did, we investigated it, and showed exactly what is most likely going on." Right, and I mean, Brian and Baxter go through and find the insect species for the for the area, and you yeah. know, the idea that it couldn't be an insect is patently ridiculous um and they and they show the you know the the focusing that they did with the fly on on the glass and everything to show just how easy it would be to make this look like you know uh, like uh, you know uh, the smudge could have easily been um you know some sort of uh insect based on how they have the lens focused and everything so well and then they also went through and looked at all the bird species right yeah, and oh, all the they, different, they did a, all different water birds. Yeah, they did a lot of in-depth stuff looking at the, the wildlife out there, things like that. Saying, "Okay, you're going to actually investigate what's going on, and not just say, hey, look, UFO, yay.' And you know that's how it should be. Uh, it, it, it's disappointing that um, you know the people that are paid to be investigators on TV don't seem to care about investigating. You know, they just care about sitting there and smiling and looking pretty. Right. And they did this. So in one hour, they found six flying species of insect. Any one of them could have been, or all of them could be what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, the yeah. other thing that they, they talked about the video, the thing that we were watching going up and down, there was apparently a lot of that. You know, it looked like that it could easily be birds, you know, going up and, and coming down. And the other right. thing that, that I think really bothered them was that this person wanted to remain anonymous. It's like, if that isn't suspicious, you know, we see the same thing with other conspiracy th- theories that they get fed by anonymous sources and people take this, this bogus information, run around like they've got something hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was that kind of a thing. And of course, another thing has been disproven, but it's not, you know, it, every piece of, it, of evidence they bring up gets disproven, and it doesn't shake them at all. No. The, the believers, I mean. No, 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 not yeah. at all. This one, I mean, this one is, I mean, they went out and they did a lot of the right things to try and pin down what it possibly could be. And the other thing is that where they said it was, um, the size and the speed that it had to be, the thing would have been huge. And moving at that speed, I mean, it really would have made a, it would have been breaking the sound barrier, I would think, yeah, at the speed no that way it was going. Uh, yeah, at noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, people would not have noticed it. It would not have, it would have gotten a lot more attention if there really was something there. Right. And so, and the temperatures are best, you know, for insects to be out at the time that they're filming is like awfully suspicious. Yeah. Now, this area where it was supposed to have taken off from, that's not by any chance a gated community entirely populated by extraterrestrials, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Thanks for being the groaner. That's so I didn't have to do it for once. I Ian's probably watched the show I'm talking about. So yeah, well, I, I we know the movie. No, I'm actually talking about a TV show called The Neighbors. Okay, well, I've, I've heard of it, haven't watched it, but all right. I think it'll be nice to let Sean talk about birds now. Yeah, talk about say? some birds. I'm not the only one talking about birds, though. All right, so um. Essentially, the first article I put in here is about birds fo- evolving faster in the Americas. And we've got, we've got bird species. We've essentially got new species emerging due to hybridization and other things, according to this article. Wait, hybridization? Um, I didn't see that in the article. They were talking about the fact that they would expect the bird species to, pro- that they, uh, they would expect them to actually diminish due to human impacts on natural habitats. But they were talking. What what is actually happening is that a new bird species is cre- is created every seven hundred years. Right. This even is- though the even though the rate of uh, rate of extinction is higher, we've got new bird species 
emerging in the Americas far more fast than anybody would expect. Right. So it's speciation, um, not hybridization. Uh, they did talk about hybridization. I'm looking for where it is in the article. Okay. I know that we've got we've got uh, we've got multiple um, we've got examples of duck goose hybrids that are joining flocks. Okay, but are those kinds of hybrids um, are they sterile or not? I don't think they're sterile. I think they are breeding. I are they that breeding. closely related? They're closely enough related huh. to breed in the first place. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not finding. I'm not finding hybridization in that article. Although I do think I saw something in your article about hybridization. That might be true. I don't. I don't. Well, anyway, go ahead. All right. Anyway, the other the other article that I popped up with here was about fairy wrens. Fairy wrens are vulnerable to predation by cuckoos who will lay their eggs in the fairy wren nests and essentially the fairy wrens it's weird because apparently they don't cue to odd looking chicks they don't visually cue to it and they'll feed whatever's in the nest and this has happened in in other species as well what the fairy wrens have done to avoid this however is they have they're pre-programming, the, pre-programming their young with a passcode, a password, while they're still in the shell, before they hatch. They're pre-programming them with a passcode, and they have to use that passcode in order to get fed. So they're trying to, to beat the, uh, uh, what's the name of that bird? It's in the article. Cuckoo. The cuckoo, yeah. Yeah, cuckoos don't know the passcode, and therefore they don't get fed. Um, one of the things they pointed out in the article was that uh, if a the cuckoo mother will come and check on her offspring in the nest where she laid the egg, and if she doesn't find her offspring, if her offspring has been removed, she'll destroy the nest. So they're actually leaving the cuckoo in the nest, just not feeding it. The other thing it notes is, is, this, is that is this sound that, that that any other species can make? I mean, is it is it individualized per bird, or is it just a it's individualized sound? per bird? It's into individualized per bird, and uh, the the mother fairy wren will actually teach other caregivers to her birds. Um, it will teach them the same noise out of earshot of the out of earshot of the of the chicks, so that they can know the passcode and feed the feed the right chicks as well. How does the cuckoo not pick this up? I I'm I'm guessing that it's being it that it's being programmed in before the cuckoo's egg is laid there. So it's a, you're asking so it's how the cuckoo genetically. is not picking so, up the so, passcode, though. Yeah, I mean, is it is it it's so something they're passing on genetically? It's not something they're teaching the bird. Um. Well, this is a, a kind of a hard thing to really figure that out. This sounds more like I don't think this is genetic evolution. This is a um, cultural thing. It, it's communication among the finches, which in turn is called evolution because I'm not sure if it necessarily qualifies. It is. Um, Learning to use skills that they um, would theoretically already have, but it, well, it, it's definitely a taught thing if you look at it. Well, but how are they teaching just the just their chicks and not the cuckoo when the cuckoo is right um, there? Well, um, I guess it has to do with when the cuckoo is implanted. Art could possibly have to do with the cuckoos don't understand what the mother bird's actually communicating. I would well, guess you, it's the cuckoos. The cuckoos are not figuring out figuring out what the passcode is for. One thing we don't know is exactly how animals communicate with one another. We can hear the sounds and stuff, but we don't know what any of it means, and we don't know how they interpret it. 
Okay, so but something did... here, uh, however it is, the finches are interpreting it the proper way, and if the cuckoo eggs are in there at that time, the cuckoos aren't getting it. So, but the scientists give no mechanism that they think by which this is happening? I'm not seeing the anything old... listed in the article. Uh, the only mechanism they're saying is that they're they're basically teaching it to the eggs in late incubation. But if but if I'm the just cuckoo's a little confused there, too how the cuckoos have evolved to to be there as this kind of you know the, their survival strategy is to be fed by other birds, right? Well, the yeah the cuckoo will lay their eggs in uh, in another bird's nest, and they've uh, they've evolved to the point where the the cuckoo egg looks very similar to the to the um, bird in which they're laying their eggs in, in the nest. So that's been going on for a while now. So is the passcode stuff something new? Yes, there's something new. Passcode stuff is new. Oh. Yeah, this is something that's developed within them recently. Right, but I still am confused about how they're passing this on. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't really go into that, but there's something there. And it, it says that the passcode is different for every mother bird. But it's obvious, you know, they know how to, you know, create a new one. So it's not you know, unique. Um, or it is unique. Emperor, Emperor penguins use a specific song to identify their own offspring and their own mates. So this is not completely unknown in the, in the bird world, but no, I, and I, and certainly I, 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 I'm, that's not what I have a problem with. What what I want to know is how, how they're, how they're able to teach this just to their offspring and not the cuckoo. It's, I'm not saying anything that goes into details on that, but, huh. and that may be one thing we don't quite, you know, it's going to be hard to really figure out. And once more, like I said, one of the problems with stuff like this is how, you know, obviously there's communication going on among the birds, but how does that actually work? How do they, you know, communicate? And that's definitely something we don't know. Well, the other thing that, the other problem that we have with these kinds of studies is, is observer bias. You know, is this really happening the way that they think it is? That's why a mechanism would be nice. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting, you know, I say to me, it's a bit hard to really call it evolution. It's progress. well, it's you no. Know, I, I think I think evolution is. I mean, that it's it's an adaptation that that you know that provides survival benefits. So I, I definitely don't have a problem calling it um, evolution. Yeah, it's just that you don't know. We you don't we don't understand from the article oh, exactly yeah. how it's happening. Yeah, but there's a link to the entire study, so I can maybe I can get the whole thing. Look at that. That would be cool. So it was published in Current Biology. So there's, there's their archives. I don't know if I can get the whole study through here or not. Anyway, there, there's there's more information. So maybe maybe my questions can be answered. So I you added this late, and I haven't gotten a chance to take a look at it. So okay. Um, but it, but at least I can I can find where it's published. See my the, the the your first one there. I'm like, who the heck published this, and how how are they justifying these changes? And your article doesn't isn't very clear about um you know how how they know um, how they're making these qualifications. And I couldn't. And it says it's uh, published in oh no journal Nature today. So it's published in a reputable journal. So. But I thought it was interesting enough. That's why I found the article that I did um, that that at least backs up that birds seem to be um, uh, evolving faster than other species, and and so they they're they're adapting at a much faster rate. Um, and they they kind of felt that there was a couple of reasons for this, and of course climate change comes down to one of the main ones. Um, and I've heard this talked about on other shows, and I can't re- and I can't remember the article, but. 
there there's birds that have to fly further for their food are are having more problems than birds that fly shorter ranges um they can fly so it's a matter of being able to fly at different times so they're having to change their flight patterns based on global warming at to what time their food is going to be available in these different places and these articles don't really talk about that but they do talk about some of the um pressures um that are that are pushing this evolution and and one of the reasons that it might be so quick and um, definitely global warm or global climate change was uh, was one of those. You know, one of the reasons I think we get so many Canada geese here in the city is because they've got wonderfully lit areas that they can land in at night. And they've got areas that are safer from predators than more natural areas would be. Um, I think I've told you guys before about we've got a Canada goose here at Belmar Park who... I don't know how common this is, but we've got a goose who's apparently resident um, year-round, and he will go up and he'll guide flocks in to the park. He'll guide flocks down to the lake. Hmm. My article indicates that North America, Asia, and South America are, are where they're seeing the greatest increase. So it was interesting um, to see what was going on with the birds there. But all these articles were fairly light on details, unfortunately. Mine was also published in the Journal of Nature. Okay. All right. Bigfoot DNA sequencing in upcoming genetic study. What do you guys think of this? I think that I'd like to know where they got the Bigfoot DNA and how they confirmed it was from Bigfoot. Seems to me that it might be premature speciation. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of my first thoughts. You know, at no point I see anything that confirmed they knew for a fact it was from. Um, a Sasquatch. They just are right. seen it. You know, they they were told that. So okay, I'll believe it. So, um, a DNA study currently under peer review confirms the existence of a novel novel hi- hominid hybrid. There's your hybrid right there. Hybrid species, um, commonly called Bigfoot or Sasquatch, living in North America. So they they've apparently been um, gathering hair samples. That they are, um, you know, looking at to, to find a, uh, particular genetic sequence. And they seem to think. Wait, are these long, are these long hairs found out in the wilderness? Cause those could easily be from Homo hippius. Homo hippius. They, they have to be being found in forests. But there's Homo a. Hippias. Right. But there's a problem because we have no fossil record of this particular species. No, we have absolutely no no remains that we've been able to. Uh, you know, I like the fact that they've they've explained that. I like the fact in the in the article they've explained that Bigfoot or Sasquatch is highly intelligent and has been able to avoid us all this time. But that seems like a reach to me. Right, that's what they always have. But in the other thing is, is that so this article is talking about a study that's. Um, still in the peer review process, and the only reason it got got um, um, that they, they came up, they had to come out and do this press statement because of another guy who put out some information on their Facebook page. So yes, it's it's interesting that that it happened this way because even even if somebody did release this information, if it's my study, I think I'm going to go. 
hold on. <laughs> we're not we're not done with the peer review process, so it's too early to really speculate, right? They and they it's have definitely a too early to put it on Facebook, right? Exactly. So they they have a they they have a conclusion that that they think is right, right? They think that they have found DNA of um uh, uh of Sasquatch, but they but we have yet to go through the peer review process and a publication process. That shows that that they were even remotely did their study to a reasonable level. We don't know um, the quality of their samples. They say they had a hundred and hundred nine well, samples. We also don't know that all the samples are from the same creatures. That's the other thing. On one set of DNA says that matches Homo sapiens, modern Homo sapiens. Well, that's probably human then. The other set of DNA is something else. Like, okay, prove to me that on um, both those are from the exact same creature. Well, they they said that they indicated that they had about twenty samples that they that they sequenced, and you well, know, if you look I'm, at the the second article, actually breaks down what those um, types of DNA are, right? Because if, if you looked at, they broke it down, and he says it's actually quite likely that um they are from different um, things that might not even be connected, right? You're talking about Steve Novella's article. Uh, right. I think so. Yeah. Where he breaks it down. Right. He so, explains where that DNA would probably have come from and straight out says, well, th this is probably from hair, while the other DNA is fr probably from another sample. So um, right there, once more, prove they are from the same creature if you're trying to make this um, weird assumption. Well, the other thing is so they have, so they have 20, uh, 20 sequenced whole um, genomes here. Yeah. And do, do all the genomes, do, do they all match? Did, did they, I mean, can they, or, or at least, you know, within a species, can they show that? It, it seems to me that, that there's a lot of opportunity for contamination if you're collecting samples out in the yeah. wilderness somewhere. Yeah. So, but I mean, but one of the things is you got to remember that, that this is, this is, this is the same evidence that we use to show that, um, that there is a, I think it's snow leopards somewhere in Pakistan. By by collecting hair samples and sequencing the DNA and and, and 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 tracing those back, but the the key difference there is that we already had known good samples of DNA from snow leopards, right? And I could I could be mis not not re remembering that exactly, but so this technique has been used to find um you know to find existing groups of animals that we're not seeing on a regular basis but we have a fossil record of snow leopards exactly right and and we I've know that it. it's a denver it's at the denver museum of nature and science they have a snow leopard there yes and so we know that creature exists we have we have known good samples of dna from it they're getting samples or for a creature that we don't have any known good samples to compare it against. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm no, I'm not an expert on this, but I think that that is a problem. Um, Agreed. Because how are they sure what they're getting? Um, even when you, when you go out and you get like old fossils from, you know, um, well, not fossils because you couldn't get DNA out of those, but when you're doing a fossil record of even like the mammoth, they were sequencing that DNA, right? They were pretty sure they had a mammoth because they had a whole, you know, mammoth to work from. Yeah. Here they, they, they have nothing to work from. And so they're, so it seems to me that it's complete speculation. Even if, let's say that they do have a unique, um, uh, DNA structure. That doesn't mean it's a Sasquatch. It doesn't mean it's a Sasquatch. Yeah, and I mean they can probably be pretty sure that that it's a that it's an ape of some sort. I, I guess. Um, now I'm going to blow your mind here. Are you? I'm going to blow your mind. Now 
my understanding is that the people who released this article oh, no. believe that it's Bigfoot. Okay, yes. Right? Yes. Therefore, yeah. their peers would also believe that it's Bigfoot. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. Let me finish. Their peers believe it's Bigfoot. And their peers are probably all their friends on Facebook. So Facebook is the peer review process in this case. <laughs> okay, I hope this that you like are wrong. For that, but... I, I hope that you are wrong. But if that <laughs> is the case, it's going to make it hard to get it published in in a in a in a reasonable journal. I wrong. Mean, it's already published. It's on Facebook. No, but not in not in not in a reasonable journal. Not in a not in a journal with any credibility. It's not but published Matt does in have nature. A point. Public opinion right now <laughs> suggests that Facebook knows what they're talking about at all things. <sighs> But, but although I do, I do love how the, the, that um, the conclusion that they come to, you know, due to the fact that we now know, you know, these things are so human-like. Governments at all levels must recognize them as indigenous. Sorry, no me pronunciation. Indigenous people and immediately protect their human and constitutional rights against those who would see in their physical and cultural differences a license to hunt, trap, or kill them. So some. <laughs> So, so that's so it's like okay so a group of people a group of creatures that are human like we now have to add into the constitution even though we have no proof they exist outside of this questionable DNA evidence right so here's another theory oh. based upon this questionable DNA evidence and stuff we were talking about earlier my theory is that north american birds are evolving into sasquatch <laughs> they're evolving okay, so- into a primate <laughs> yeah uh, Mr. Smith, you can sit down now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, for for crows, that would only be a slight step down in intelligence. From crow to primate, that would only be a slight step down. Okay, so here, so here's here's the thing: is that back to the publication public? They they have to get this published for it to be uh, either even really looked at by the scientific community, right? And to, and for and for it to get a wide enough community, they need to publish it in a journal like Nature or someplace like that that is reputable. And if if they can't get accepted to a journal like that, it's not going to get looked at. And they don't have to convince the people on Facebook; they have to convince the scientific right. community. In ultimately, who cares what the, what those people on? If everybody on Facebook believes it, it does not matter. They have to convince reputable biologists that this is the case, not me and you. And and so if you're right in the peer review process is just all their friends and it could very well be it's it's not going to go any further than that. It's dead at that point, I would think. The other problem that they have is the way that they show that the, that this this um primate mated with humans and then and then we're able to continue to have offspring? Probably not. Probably we the, those any sort of um uh child that would have been um birthed through the through through that union would be sterile so there would be no population to even look for but if it mated with humans and they were able to breed true chances are they would play banjos i'm just saying yeah all right bigfoot dna boo but, but if they get it, I mean, they and they can convince the scientific community. Good for them, you know that 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 would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Then then we have some place to start looking. Yeah, Kimberly, you going to chime in on Bigfoot DNA? Um, I, there really doesn't seem to be too much to say. I mean, I, and you know they're going to come back with you know this DNA was completely uncodable because it's like you know pieces of a rug. 
that they've put in as <laughs> evidence of Bigfoot because it's all fake. So. Well, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not claiming by any means that they have faked the evidence that they have, but I don't know how they would have prevented contamination and how they're weeding out the, you know, that possibility. You're saying that that might have been pieces of a rug, Kimberly? I've seen stuff like that before in, in some of this Bigfoot stuff where they're just like, it's not, it's not any kind of DNA we know of. And it turns out it's true. When you subject the sample to a DNA test, it comes up as not of this world, right? you know, because it's not biological. And it's come back it as bison a lot, to too. a piece of rug. Bison hair okay. is, all, is often. Well, now here's another theory. Maybe the shag rug industry has been getting by for years on hunting Bigfoots. Mm-hmm. Go on. And, well, in that case, we, we definitely need to give them their constitutional rights. We can get by on tile floor. In fact, I prefer it. You do? I do. You want tile in your bedroom? I actually wouldn't mind at this point, considering the condition of the rug. <laughs> Cold tile in the middle of the night when you gotta get up and go to the bathroom. And yeah, tile Nietzsche all says, the "What way doesn't destroy me must be missed." Oh. I'm sorry, makes me stronger. <laughs> what doesn't destroy me makes me stronger. You're a silly, silly man. <laughs> and it echoes too much. No good for recording. All right. Well, we killed that one too. We have we have slayed these articles. So, what is you what is your guys' opinion of the Salvation Army prior to to my article spree? Um, never really thought much of it. I've been to their thrift stores. Sometimes they have good stuff. They ring bells outside Walmart. It's kind of annoying. Very. They are the. Uh, source of bigotry that just keeps on giving. They are a huge anti-gay church. Basically, they, they, I mean, they, they, they are run by a Christian church whose doctrine believes that gays should die. Um, so, right, so of course, right now they're, they're out in force. I mean, they, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, you go, and I, I didn't realize just how bad it was until I started going through these articles. Um, and in fact, there is a one that gives an excellent timeline. Uh, yep, I did look for that. Where's my timeline? There it is, gay timeline. So, it, and it started out, what, 85? Yeah, that was boring. What, that, that timeline you had? No, the timeline's like good. The, the first one's boring. It's it not, yeah, it seems like, uh, um, 1865, former Methodist minister William Booth founds the Salvation Army in London, giving his religious mission a military structure and trappings, including its own flag, military-style uniforms, hymns, ranks, and firearms. No, sorry, just hymns and ranks, no firearms. Right. <laughs> 1880, the Salvation Army sets up shop in the U.S., Australia, and Ireland, also known as the Invasion. Eight, 1986. See, they were quiet for a long time. This yes, is conspiracy. Yeah. 1986, the Salvation Army collects signatures for a petition to stop the New Zealand legislature, legislature from decriminalizing homosexuality. The Homosexual Law Reform Act passes anyway. May 1st, 2001, an internal document from the Salvation Army says the fir- charity has a firm commitment from the Bush administration for a national regulation shielding it and other religious charities from state and city laws barring discrimination against gays and lesbians. The Salvation Army never discriminates in who it serves, says senior official George Hood, but being forced to hire gays really begins to chew away at the theological fabric of who we are. July 11, 2001, the Bush administration turns down the Salvation Army's request. 
Well, so much for our firm commitment. <laughs> and that's surprising, just given Bush's, you know, he's he does all that faith-based stuff, and there are carve-outs of all these different types of laws as to who can still discriminate based on religious views. So I'm really interested. I wish they went into more detail on this July 11th. Yeah. Well, okay, the next one is interesting. The Salvation Army threatens to leave New York City if Mayor Michael Bloomberg enforces a new or- ordinance requiring all groups with city contracts to offer benefits to the same-sex partners of employees. Bloomberg, who, impo- who opposed the ordinance, doesn't enforce it. So apparently they didn't leave New York City. Uh, February 14, 2006, Valentine's Day. The New York State Court of Appeal upholds Bloomberg's right to ignore the ordinance, leaving future enforcement decisions to the discretion of whoever is mayor. What a terrible thing to do. I mean, to pass a, to pass a law like that that's an anti-discrimination law and then just let everybody ignore it. What we're, I, I don't understand, and I, here's what I wish there was more here, because I want to know why the courts upheld Bloomberg's right to ignore this legislation that passed. If that's the case, and, and a governor can just ignore whatever, whatever legislation they want to, man, can you imagine? Hey, they just passed that gun law. Yeah, you know what, though? We're just going to ignore it. Mm-hmm. July 2006, the New Zealand branch of the Salvation Army apologizes over any remaining hurt from its prominent role in trying to stymie the Homosexual Law Reform Act 20 years earlier. So, boy, that went, they let that one fester for a while. Yeah, they did. Uh, November 21, 2011, Bill Browning at the Billerico Project promotes a drive encouraging gay rights supporters to give their holiday donations to other charities that don't actively dec- discriminate against the LGBT community. And then here, then here we get to 2012, where the Australian Salvation Army spokesman basically goes on the radio telling, saying that homosexuals, practicing homosexuals, deserve to die. And then the retraction two days later said it's not referring to physical death, nor is it specifically targeted to homosexual behavior. Right. They said inst- what they meant was spiritual death. It's like, you know, you, and you start to look at their, their doctrine. And it's like, yeah, that, yeah, the, so, so they're trying to say what's politically correct, right? To, but let's face it. If you look through their literature, they, they think homosexuality is abhorrent, a sin, and those people should be put to death. That's yep. what they believe. But, Brian, it would be inconsistent with Christian, Christian teaching to call for anyone to be put to death except by stoning. I'm sorry. I added that last Yeah. Well, there. but that I mean, is it, is it, isn't that just the case? It's like, you know, Yes, and abortion is bad. Well, unless you think that your spouse has been unfaithful, then you can take her to the priest who will give her some poison. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I'm actually far more interested in this article below this. It says, is your cat a mass murderer? (laughs) There was a, there was another one too that I don't have a cat, but. Oh, that's probably because of, um, Toxoplasma gondii. No, actually, oh. they're they're predators to all kinds of smaller creatures, oh, okay. consuming an average of two point one per week. All right. So, I mean, if you look through the literature for, um, from the Salvation Army, um, and in the Wikipedia one here, they, there's a set of uh, eleven beliefs. Uh, we believe that the scriptures of the Old Testament, New Testament, were given by inspired by God, and our only contribution to uh, Divinic rules of Christianity, faith, and practice, uh, and in in more in depth um, in their their literature, they they go on to specify, um, you know, wh- how the, how they feel about gays, 
And so on this radio show, they had the guy on after his after his apology and retraction, and they asked him about this. It's like, how can you, as a as a as you know, as a compassion human being, accept these doctrines? And it's just like, well, but those are the doctrines of our church. I mean, he he totally couldn't answer the question beyond that. This is what the church says. And in as much as he was trying to, you know, um, uh, take the heat off of what he had said earlier, I mean, it was, it's just it's more bigotry. And uh, so the Salvation Army, Army is a bunch of bigots and should be boycotted, and you should not be giving your money to them. Instead, you should be giving your money through Atheists for Humanity. And I went and gave money to the Red Cross to, um, today through them. So. So there are good places to give your money. The Salvation Army just isn't one of them. But if you look at this Huffington Post article, this is really awesome. Where's the Huffington Post one? They have on here um, a voucher that you can give to the Salvation Army. So you can print these out and keep them with you and, and put these in, in their little things. And it's a um, – Mac, you want to read the voucher? It says, this holiday season, I am – well, at the top it says voucher. Has a picture of a kettle and a present on it. This holiday season, I am supporting organizations that do not discriminate in any way against people based upon sexual orientation, gender identity, or any other reason. I will not, in capital letters, donate to the Salvation Army and will instead give to other charities until the Salvation Army stops discriminating against the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community in hiring, firing, and promotion and in the provision of benefits. Uh, and in quotes down below in italics, it says, George Hood, a senior official with the Salvation Army, said the group never discriminates in delivering its services, but on the question of hiring gay employees, it really begins to chew away at the theological fabric of who we are. Washington Post's 7-10-2001. So, I mean, they're, they're saying all the right words, but I don't believe them. I, I, think that they, I think that they try to discriminate who they're giving this stuff to as much as possible. Um. I, I don't have any well, evidence of that, but I imagine that we can prove it. Then your thought is based upon supposition and opinion. Yes, it is. Based on everything else that they have said, that's how I feel. Yep. So anyway, so I like this. There's a voucher that you can that you can put into their little slot. I I don't think it'll make that much difference to them, but at least you know you can put something in the kettle and feel good about it. Yeah, I I I was going to mention the vouchers. I I had missed this article before because I got that in an email years ago, and I always meant to put them out because it has been a really long time since I've given any money to the Salvation Army. There were another one though where for years I just never made the connection. Salvation, you know, like with the Christian <laughs> Christianity right. part. I just kind of assumed that they were helping people, and that was kind of all of it. And um, it was kind of, you know, a little distressing because they are so prevalent and, uh, you know, they, they put this nice face on things. They, you know, when you when you go by them and they're ringing the bell and they got the Santa Claus hat on, I, I don't know. I always feel a little bad not putting anything in there. But, you know, I, I have heard for years about these practices and these things that they say. And, and like you say, they're, they're very upfront about it. They're not trying to hide it or anything. Kimberly, so. make a stone of your heart and walk past him with a smile. Yeah. Oh, that's well, what I've done. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm, I think I'm going to print out some vouchers and, and hand them out. I think that this is a great idea. Yeah. And especially to get the bell ringers to read it. Because, yeah, again, I don't, I don't think, think those are the bad people. Those are people who honestly just want to help and 
you know, who are, are contributing to what they think is good stuff. I'm sure some of them, you know, like any group would, would be like, yeah, damn straight, we don't want any gays here. But I would bet a lot of them would be very surprised to find out what their group was involved in. Well, and I bet a lot of them. I bet a lot of them are actually probably gay. Well, yeah, yeah maybe if if they are, they're not out gays because they haven't told their employer. You know, at least don't ask, don't ring. Yeah, uh, but I'm not suggesting that you harass the people ringing the bell. I mean that that that's. That's the last thing we want to do. Um, no, but, no, but giving them a voucher and asking them to read it is not harassment. Well, I just said, you know, you put the voucher in there and, you know, I mean, if they get enough of these vouchers coming back to them, I mean, they, they, they might get the, the idea. I mean, if you, what, what if, what if the guy takes back a, a kettle and all he has is, you know, a, a hundred vouchers set, you know, saying that they won't give him money? Well, if that happens, what they do is they put the guy up against the wall and they, you know, I, I, they don't have a firing squad, but they throw bells at him. I don't know what what the practice is if you don't make quota. <laughs> I doubt there's a quota. I I don't know I'd how they would... spread the rumor that All it's right. you know, some vicious thing, but I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, if they don't make the quota, they get a whipping. <laughs> they get a night in the box. <laughs> night in the box. <laughs> That's right. They get the hose. <laughs> <laughs> It gets its quota of money, or else it gets the hose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, Ian, tell us about Jesse Ventura's latest adventure. Yes. Well, apparently, the the video I linked to is down, but did everyone get to watch it? I did. No, no, I did not. Our our wrestler turned um, mayor, no, turned governor, now turned conspiracy theorist, TV show host... Yeah, but he's always been into conspiracy theories. So, I yeah. mean, Jesse Ventura, I mean, he, hey, he's... I love to hear that man speak. Yeah. I... <laughs> he's awesome. Was, I, I knew the existence of the show. I hadn't really paid any attention or watched it. But this one, I um, saw LinkedIn, so I'd watch it, and was just like, wow, this is bad. But um, the episode is Time Travel Secrets. And in it, he reveals a government program, which I, that I actually believe existed, that was trying to um, break the laws of physics and be able to do time travel and stuff. Yeah, there was a couple of projects. There was Project Pegasus and there was another one, Project yeah, um, but, Well, we, we know the government has wasted huge amounts of money on pseudoscience research um, you know, with astral projection and crap like that. We, we know that happened. There's no doubt our government's been dumb. Straight out Ian, dumb. are you lumping... Are you lumping time travel in with pseudoscience? Because I will remind you what your favorite show is. It doesn't matter. I, I know my I know what science fiction goes for. I don't claim that the majority <laughs> of the stuff I watch on science fiction is real science. But so, anyways, he he, he goes to the Project Pegasus stuff, and then he finds actual people that were there. And someone, what I loved is apparently the way they do time travel is you sit naked in a chair while they like bombard you with radiation. Uh. Well, did, did, I don't know. That was a little. That was a little. Flaky. Well, no, actually, no. That that actually fits in with because uh, in in Terminator they came back naked. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I was looking it's like, okay, uh, the nudity thing. What does that have to do with video? So at least they based it on some good science fiction. <laughs> Crap. Yeah, I had notes on this, and now I can't find my notes. Yeah, but then apparently one guy got sent back in time to meet George Washington, and. The whole goal was to go up to George Washington and say, hey, Mr. Washington, you're going to win. And it's like, 
why the hell would we waste our time telling George Washington he's going to win? Well, because they told him specifically he hit, but only if you if you won a certain battle. Um, I forget which battle it was that he had to win right. that battle. Now, knowing science fiction the way I do, there's one huge, huge gap in logic. No one from now would want to go send anyone back in time to alter things. Because if they were to, say, um, push George Horson into a different battle, different people would die. That's all, that, that's 100% logical. If, if you were to real, if you were to send someone back to actually try and affect a battle back then, different people would die. What does that mean? Well, that means there's a fairly good chance a lot of people who are living now would never have been born. It means that the uh, sound and the thunder, it all happens. That, yeah. So the, the, to me, there's a huge logic gap in sending anyone back to affect stuff like because you you you, you could actually end up making him fail. Well, like I said, this one guy, apparently his job was to go to George Washington and tell him, if you follow these battle plans, you'll win the war. It's like, well, we already won the war. Why are we interfering here? I didn't understand Yeah, I didn't understand that, that either. Why why, why go back and, and, and yeah. even get involved in that? But it was – so they, they run around and they and they, they finally get this guy's last name. And what was his last name? And they, they kept just I, saying it. Don't remember. Are you talking about the kid that supposedly is in the picture? Right, exactly. And so you know, the, the one picture that is out there—it's a historic picture it's from the Gettysburg Address. Um, if you look, you'll find—you um, know—magnify it properly, you can actually find um, Abraham Lincoln in it. And this one guy is claiming he is this individual that is kind of. Look, I'm looking at the picture right now. We have a link to it. In the picture, you have a guy in the corner, a group of about four guys, almost centered, and then one guy. Kind of center-wise, standing off on his own to the side. And then you have the big crowd behind him, basically. Okay. Well, this guy's claiming he's the kid standing off to the side. And I didn't understand why he was even there, but he's claiming that's him. And he even said that they've done some stuff and shown that his face is the same. I mean, this kid is out of focus. You can't tell anything about his head at all. But apparently they can photoanalyze. So, yeah, the um, your, um this picture of you at that age is about the same shape headwise as the kid in the photo. And then he claims he's holding the cylinder, which I don't see. What they saw as the cylinder to me looks like an undershirt kind of peeking through the coat. But he claims he was holding some sort of cylinder that I forget what the point of that was. Yeah. But he, so here's so okay, um Montauk is the other project. Okay. So they they find a couple of guys and and everyone and every guy they find leads to another guy right the the way that they they set up the chain is yeah is fabulous but the, my one of my favorite ones they 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 so they, they 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 find out from this other guy that this guy is making these time travel devices and it's a hyper dimensional uh, resonator uh, made by right. Stephen L uh, Gibbs. Uh, I think what you're, I think the word you're looking for is hyperdimensional quantum tunneling resonator. Well, that might be the case. Because I, I think it sounds better if you add quantum tunneling yeah, to it. The, the, and, and I'm surprised that they didn't add quantum to the name. Yeah. But they called it. Science always sounds better with quantum. Yeah, they, they called it an HDR. And so they're supposed to take this device and they have to find an energy vortex. And supposedly, <laughs> is, it, is, it the, is it the GM that's the pyramid in Vegas? Is built on top of an energy vortex. So they go to the GM and they get a hotel room and this one guy is going to come and, um, and show them how it works. And he, and he's like, Oh, you can't use that, that, that device. That device is a, um, modified radiomics, r- radiomics machine. And he says it, it'll, it, it'll put out 
so much electromagnetic radiation and it'll it's gonna is gonna alter your um your uh your chakras and and you know and alter your you know it's no good you you can't you can't do it it's just it, the thing is dangerous and it's it's all this overhyped you know he's like but he says i i was part of project montauk and we were able, we we went back in time and he says i can show you how we go back in time and he explains to them what they're going to do and basically it's like you know a guided technique you know and he's like well wait what's the difference between what you're telling me we're going to do in hypnotherapy and he says well in hypnotherapy you're uh, you're being guided and i'm going to show you how to guide yourself <laughs> And so, and then he says and does it, so and he starts, and he it's starts self hypnosis. Well, yeah, exactly, right. It's self, except for he sits down and he's guiding him through it. It is totally, you know, past life regression types of hyp- hypnosis that that they're using to get this information. And the guy just gets so frustrated. He finally, he just, he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Well, you didn't even finish the program." He's like, "This isn't going to work." He's, you know, and so he, you know, he storms out. You know, and and Jesse Ventura's, I think done at this point with the whole thing him getting frustrated with these guys is the best part of the show because he's constantly just like you you gotta be kidding me this is ridiculous but the way that the, the whole show is shot over dramatic you know with the, with these yeah. big intense you know you know it's uh, but the one thing that i thought was interesting at the end of the show um oh well i guess the other thing was um uh uh passion Pashago, Palago, Adrian Palago is the guy that they find, and I'm probably saying that right. And what he describes is the Stargate from Stargate Atlantis. He perfectly describes this shimmering thing. And I mean, it's just, it's just, it's so funny. You know, it's like, really? This man has been watching too much TV. So, and he describes it, and everything he describes is Stargate. It's, you know, it's, it's Stargate SG-1. It, 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 right. it was so funny to listen to him talk and, you know. Well, the things I love is this is actually the second time I've heard a link of Obama being a teleporter. I feel Wells. I, I oh, heard yeah. something. I've seen another thing like this where they were talking about Obama being part of a secret society that, um, a secret experiment thing and he could teleport. And here it is again saying, oh, well, Obama was part of it. He was one of the kids in it. He can teleport and travel through time as well. Right. Except, well, except I also for. Oh, go ahead. Go. I was going to say this. This thing that uh, that Adrian described was not. It was actually opening up a hole in the fabric of space, right. in space time. So it wasn't actually transporting. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, the, the part I'm talking about. Apparently, Obama, our president, is a tra- teleporter. He can teleport himself. This is the second time I've heard references to it. And um, also, all the all these last four presidents have been inv- were involved in this somehow. Both yeah. Bushes, Clinton, and Obama. And uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, if these guys were set up, because he, the claim is that they were already set up to become president. I'm like, okay, let's back that claim up. So you must know who the next few presidents are going to be as well. Why don't we? You write those down, put them in an envelope. You know, that, I, I love claims like that because, like, th- there's an easy way to prove whether or not you know what you're talking about. Damn you, teleporting George Bush. Yeah. So yeah, Damn that was that hell. was the whole thing was weird that you know basically they went and told these presidents you're going to become president. Yeah. It's like okay. There's a this really it was so much nonsense left and right. Right, but at the end of it, 
the thing that Jesse Ventura says, you know, he, I mean, he doesn't believe in time travel at the end of this. He's like, but he believes that Adrian believes that he went back in time. And he says, and he says he also believes that he was part of some sort of kind of government experiment and that they did something to him and, and that, and that these might be implanted memories. And that seems perfectly likely based on what we saw of Project Montauk is that is that it looks like they were doing um, hypnosis and they could have easily been implanting memories in these people. Yeah. The whole test could have been, can we implant a memory? Can we brainwash these people into thinking that they were, that they did this thing? So that, I mean, that, so if this guy did go back in time to Lincoln's Gettysburg, Gettysburg address, what was the purpose of going back there? I, I don't say. know. And they never really get. He had a cylinder. I forget what the cylinder was about, but he yeah. comes holding the cylinder. Yeah, I, I, I if and, and in the cylinder was a letter to be opened on the night at Ford Theater with one word on it: <laughs> duck. <laughs> Maybe if he had flashed some gang signs at the camera, we could have gone. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, some of the stuff people will believe. <laughs> Well, of course, I kind of goes into our next one. Uh, to finish up tonight, I found this really amusing, um, small, short little article. <laughs> uh, this woman in Florida apparently was driving um, 100 miles an hour through a 30 miles an hour zone. Uh, was driving fairly recklessly beyond that. In fact, the police tried to pull her over. See, um, I was going to say, I believe she dumped a couple mediums. And finally hit a curb. Yeah, see, okay, her curb swerved across two southbound lanes, almost hitting the curb before it came to a halt. Um, apparently they asked how fast, if she knew how fast it was going, said yes, 100 miles an hour. And then apparently she claimed the reason she was doing it because she was letting the Lord's Spirit guide her. <laughs> That's also why she was honking her horn. She apparently was blowing her horn because the Lord was telling her to do it. <laughs> Needless to say, they arrested her and, um, Decided that, yeah, well, whether or not God told you to do it, that still was breaking the laws. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> so she so was a $375 bail. And apparently, this is the interesting thing. In addition to reckless driving, she's charged with violation for probation because apparently uh, she had left the scene of an accident. So it's like. Because God yeah. told you? I, I, I was. I, All right. That could be it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical here. <laughs> simply because it's the Daily Mail. <laughs> the Daily Fail? But there are other posts of the article as well. Yeah. Um, the only problem is that they come from places like HuffPost, Examiner.com, <laughs> RawStory.com. So, you know, I, I'm wondering if this is an urban legend gone wild. Well, this one seems like it'd be easy enough to pin down. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked. I haven't looked into it. It could very well. But you know what? I mean, these kinds of God maybe do it types of things, and and this one may not be sincere. But I just finished Under the Banner of Heaven. Have Have any of you read that book? Uh. Uh-uh. I have not. I've wanted to. Yeah, it's it was a good read, and it basically. I mean, it it's talking about some Mormon fundamentalists who uh, who killed their brother's wife. Basically, she was in the way, and but they justified it because they got a revelation from God. And, uh, so the guy went and did it and he admitted that he did it. He told, he told them exactly what he did, but he never admit any wrongdoing because he had a revelation from God. That's what he was supposed to do. So these kinds of things, this one is, is of course silly, but there's a, there is a, a much, um, uh, much fuller history here of these kinds of claims that have done a lot of harm. Yeah. 
and this could have done a lot of harm. A hundred and thirty mile hour zone trying to get away yeah. and after after causing an accident. I mean that's I mean that I mean that's pretty that they could have hit children, yeah, that, pe- other people. You know, I mean, so yeah, it, put, it was crazy to you know decide. Oh, God it had me do it. It's like wait a moment. Uh. Yeah, and this one doesn't sound too sincere to me. But in that book. I, those guys are completely sincere about the revelations. Well, the the first thought to me was, I hope they, you know, did some um, check to make sure she wasn't on anything. Because, you know, your first thought of that is, well, she might have been hearing God. Of course, you know, after you trip on a couple things of acid, you have no idea how often you hear God. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Okay, but I found I, a I, source I, on WPTV.com, which is probably a little bit more... Um, I'm not sure where WPT, well, WPTV is, but... Uh, yeah. I, I found it on MSN as well. Okay. It's all over so, the place. It's, apparently, this is her 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what 15 minutes she gets? Uh, not necessarily 15 She will forever be known as the, as the God Made Me Speed Lady. Yep. Yeah, whatever. You know, this kind of... I mean, the, 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 there's, there's a problem here. When we have people, you know, always if if it was an actual excuse to say, well, God told me to do it, right? I mean, but it doesn't fly. And so, yeah, it's funny, but but if this did happen, she's, she, I mean, it oh, will be dealt with. Were, you know, the police weren't about to say, oh yeah, that's a good excuse. Like, no, sorry, that doesn't, you know, work. You're coming with us. <laughs> I love one of the comments down below on the Daily Mail where it says, the judge sentences her to 10 years and said, God made me do that, too. <laughs> yeah, right. It it does bring up those ethical questions, though, you know, that I think people have brought up before. You know, if, if all morality is, uh, you know, comes straight from God and couldn't have any other source, you know, then if you did have a legitimate, you know, uh, communication channel with them, and he did say, ah, you know what, 100 miles an hour in a 30 zone is fine. It's not just fine, it's it's morally correct. So, I mean, I, I don't doubt that there's lots of people handing out lots of BS lines, but so I don't doubt the authentic, authenticity of the uh, the article. But it it is just ridiculous what people will believe and say and use as excuses. Yeah, I don't know if this person is really sincere, but I, there are people who say this stuff sincerely. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why this pops up as something to talk about. Whether or not she was sincere, it's an excuse being used by people either because they really believe God's community, in which case they're you know, drugged out or have something, some imbalance, or because they're trying to um, come up with an excuse as to why they did what they did. Yeah, well, this one looks like she was trying to get out of something. I yeah. mean, I, I doubt the sincerity. If it was a hit-and-run accident and she's doing 130, I mean, come on. Well, no, she didn't do a hit-and-run. She left the scene of a hit-and-run before. She was on probation. Oh, this wasn't the same incident. Right. Okay. Yeah, she was on probation for the prior incident, which makes me wonder what she was fleeing this time. Yeah. You get the impression she's probably just a really messed-up driver yeah, to I begin know. with. If something you know, does stupid things and shouldn't be allowed near a car. I don't know, but, I mean, we're, we're laughing about this. Remember the woman who drowned her kids because God told her to do it? Yeah. Yep. Well, I saw Dr. Phil a few years back where um, this guy was saying God told him to molest his granddaughter. And that was his excuse. Like, the, you know, God was telling me to do it. Like, whoa! Yeah, that's uh, going a bit too far. 
Right, but when you have when you have church doctrine that that's how we got it in the first place, is it yeah. is it so unreasonable? I mean, for people to say that kind of stuff, I mean, we certainly we can't think that they're crazy well, I, for doing I, I this think stuff. We all, to some extent, have voices in our head, and part of understanding reality is to understand most of the voices are just thoughts. You know, there are times where you know you want to strangle your kid; they can be that frustrating. But you have to understand that's just your inner thought from frustration and stress. It's right. not really what you want. But if you're, you know, something's not working right, I can very much see those inner thoughts. Being, oh, that's a sign from a higher power that I believe in. Right, but we have, but we have religious doctrine that says that that's an acceptable way to yep. get revelation. Yeah, that, and that's, you know, that is what messes up. That's what causes people not to be able to distinguish reality from, you know, the, the belief. And once you don't quite get where those lines are, you're going to start not quite understanding that. Yeah, you can have passing thoughts that are a bit wrong. You know, like I said, I, I've had days where I wanted to shingle my kids. I'll admit that. I love them, but they can get on my nerves. But at no point have I thought, oh, yeah, that's the, a divine message telling me I have to. It's just me being stressed out and frustrated. Right. Let me calm down and, you know, they're perfect again. Right, but and, was, the, was the woman who drowned her kids, what, what was she saying? Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I honestly, mo most of the people who go through with it, I don't think you can call that sane. <laughs> Well, are you, are you sure? I mean, look at the, look at the guy who, who, I mean, in, in under the banner of heaven, he killed his, uh, he, he killed his brother's wife and child because God told him to do it. Yeah. They, they had, they went through a huge process, uh, of trying to decide whether he was clinically sane or not. And they ultimately came back to, well, if, if we decide that, that, I mean, if we think this person is, is not in the right mind is insane. What is that saying about all of these religious doctrines? And well, so they, they had a good, they had, they had a quandary there because they, because what kind of precedent are they setting? Yeah, well, a lot of religions, I think, encourage it because they want you to believe that, you know, what you hear in your head is, you know, God trying to speak to you and such. Yeah. And if, if these people are mentally unstable, that's not what you want them to believe. Do you want anybody so, to believe, to, to, to be doing that in the first place? Mentally unstable or not? Yeah. I mean, but shouldn't everybody be thinking about their actions and the repercussions before they go and do them? But we know that the brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think we're missing a wonderful opportunity for some brand new bumper stickers. <laughs> Are we? God is my co-pilot and he's stepping on the accelerator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please help me. Please help me. Now put that on the back of your Toyota. <laughs> All right. Anything else, guys? No. That's all I've got. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for joining me. It's been lovely. It's amazing I, sometimes. Been we, 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 been... I didn't. I didn't mention, by the way, Brian. We had a special guest on the podcast tonight. Aldo's here in the room with me. Oh. She chimed in at one point. Uh, uh, Aldo was pretty good for the most part. Then. All right. Well, say good night, everybody. Yeah, blue is the chatterbox. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast.
Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 